This show is part of the Head Stuff Podcast Network. Welcome to Spice Bags, where three opinionated ladies, Blanca, May, and me, Dee, have a dish about food in Ireland from an international perspective. Hi, welcome to Spice Bags. On today's episode, we're talking to Richie Castillo from Baha'i Dublin about Filipino food. And I'm here with Dee and May and Richie in the studio. So let's start off by introducing Richie. Tell us a little bit about yourself. So uh, I'm Richie Castillo. Uh, I'm 26, half Irish, half Filipino. Um, I'm the chef owner of Baha'i. Um, it's a Filipino food pop-up, which I set up about six months ago now with uh, my partner, Alex. Um, she was definitely very instrumental in helping me set it up. It kind of was, I was working in Basel and then Clamrassel House and it kind of came about um, during the pandemic. Um, a friend of mine, I got offered the use of a food truck, well, a food trailer. I was kind of doing a lot of sitting around and Alex <laughs> kind of gave me the push to kind of get it going. And it definitely just kind of transformed into something that I didn't really expect at the moment. But um, no, I'm really enjoying it. And I, um, the first time I got to eat your food was at Taste of Dublin this year. It must have been, it was highly successful. I think everyone was talking about your food at the festival. Um, was that a really, like, <laughs> a kind of like jumping in the deep end is such a big uh, thing straight away? Or did you enjoy that experience? Yeah, no, I, I definitely underestimated Taste of Dublin. Like, uh, <laughs> Alex, she, she actually worked at Taste of Dublin for quite a few years, um, doing some hosting and stuff for the tent. So, I was kind of like, oh, I'll be fine. Like, like the first day, I think the soft launch it was just like me and my dad, and then Alex out front, and I think there was like fifteen hundred people. So like, I, I really didn't expect <laughs> it to be that busy. But as with anything, though, you know, we kind of found our feet, and like it was really well received. And just talking to people who were there, we definitely seemed to have a queue all the time, and like people were willing to wait like half an hour, forty minutes, yeah. which. I personally wouldn't do like even <laughs> even if the food was great like I'd always come back but no the the reception was really good. Well, you um, mentioned your dad there. Um, can you tell us a little bit about your parents and where you like how where you grew up and your heritage? Yeah. So, um, so my parents. So my mother was born in Jordan. Mm-hmm. Um, both of her parents are Irish from Kerry. They're Anna Skull out um out past Dingle. My granny's originally from Limerick, but she grew up in Anascal and Kerry. Um, and then my father's side, um, most of his family are from Manila. And then his mom's from, my grandmother's from a region called Biko. It's kind of in the central. Mm-hmm. And then, so both my grandfathers were in the UN. My granddad was a guard here for a bit. And similarly enough, I think my granddad in the Philippines as well was involved with the police. And somehow they ended up in kind of security detail in the UN. Wow. Wow. So so interesting. Yeah. Yeah, no, it is. My mother was born in Jordan, but, you know, Irish. And then my parents met in Jerusalem because all the UN kids would kind of, you know, everyone would kind of hang around with each other. They know they know everybody right in the UN. And they actually ended up getting married there in Jerusalem. And then evenly before that, my mom spent some time growing up in the Congo, Damascus and Cairo. Wow. But they both, they're both kind of like, my dad didn't live in the Congo. He he lived in Cairo. He was in Syria for a bit as well. Mm. But they both knew each other. And they ended up getting married in Jerusalem. And then they moved to London for a bit. My sister was born in London. 
they're both, they're both nurses. So they were both, my dad was finished. No, my mom was finishing her nursing training in London. She's a psychiatric nurse and my dad would be a theater nurse. Uh, it just got a bit much for them kind of mm -hmm. working, trying to raise my sister. So they moved back here because my grandparents were both here just to kind of help take care of Isabella, my sister. So I was born here in the Coombe. Um, I've lived in Knockline all my life. It's uh, for those that don't know, it's like a suburb out near enough the Dublin mountains. So I've lived there all my life. Um, what was it like growing up half Filipino, half Irish? Did you were you connecting with your Filipino heritage? Like, was it fifty fifty? And you know, and what was your childhood like? Yeah, interesting to say that because um, I'm thinking about it a lot recently. Well, definitely since I've been doing Baha, it's I've definitely become a lot more connected through food. Uh, growing up, it, like, since I've been two years old, I've been traveling back to the Philippines, like, every two years. So it's been about six years since I've been back. Just with, it's been a busy six years. I was in college. I went to New Zealand and COVID, obviously. So I never really, I when I was younger, you know, I never really paid too much attention to it. Like, the heritage of the culture, I try to reconnect with it. Um, definitely going back home every two years it was great to reconnect but like I wasn't really into food and we did a bit of traveling and you know when you're young you don't really absorb all this stuff mm. so I guess I never really appreciated it like until like you know I was you know about 12 years old and I think the last time I was there I was 17 so and I really appreciated it then um, but definitely since I started working in kitchens and then through food and I started doing Baha'i it's definitely I connected way more through food and also just after working in kitchens and seeing my dad, how much of a of a great cook he is. Like I always knew he was a, he was a good cook. But yeah. then when I started working in kitchens and then I came back from New Zealand, I started eating his food. I was like, he's, he's a phenomenal cook. Like So that kind of answers the question then of who cooked in your household, does it? Or were you both yeah. your parents? No, like definitely my dad did all the cooking That's for so sure. Cool. That is um, super cool. Like all the cook. My mom, my mom cooked occasionally, but it was more my dad. Um and I don't like I always had an interest. That's that, the reason why I cook is definitely because of him. Like that's lovely. He because um, he kind of did like three days on and then he'd be off the rest of the time. So he was always cooking. And then the days where he kind of wasn't around, like so all the food that he would cook, obviously predominantly Asian. Like there was always interesting stuff in my house. Well, not not so much interesting now. I think you know with all the Asian stores and stuff, people have so much access to like mm. interesting ingredients. But growing up. You know, obviously, I didn't know anything about that, so there was always kind of interesting stuff in the pantry. Like, not not, not an average ice, average Irish household. Like, you wouldn't get like fish sauce and like begong, the fermented shrimp paste. Like, mm. I I didn't like any of that stuff back then. Join <laughs> yeah. the remember. club. <laughs> yeah, I think growing it's up, growing up, yeah. yeah, in America as Chinese, you're like, yeah. oh, yeah. yeah. Like, I I love all that stuff now. Yeah, but, it's so, yeah, it's so funny. Everybody, I think, when they're little, they just want to eat what their neighbors are eating. Yeah, and my yeah. parents were cooking Spanish food, and I'd be like, "No, I want to have Pringles or packaged food." That was my dream. So. Yeah, but what? Kind of when I went, uh, like my grandparents on the days where my dad was off or my mom wasn't able to pick me up, I would go to my grandparents after school for lunch. So I kind of got to eat like you know bacon and cabbage and stew. My granny would cook for me, so mm. I kind of got exposure to Irish food, mm. like Irish cooking at home for my grandparents yeah so it was interesting to kind of have a mix of both like what are some of the favorite dishes that your dad of your dad's that you love actually my dad's pancit is really good mm. it was always can you explain what a pancit is just for anyone who doesn't so know. pancit canton it's um it's a filipino noodle dish of uh chinese influence mm. like think chow mein but 
basically Chinese travelers, tradesmen brought over noodles. Mm-hmm. I don't know exactly when. I, I imagine it was quite some time ago. But um, Filipinos kind of made it their own. It's kind of like, for me, it's definitely a real whatever you got in your pantry. It's very versatile. You can put whatever. Normally, it's like chicken, seafood, prawns, mixed veg, garlic, soy, calamansi juice. It's quick, easy. Um, it's definitely one of my favorite things that he cooks. Cause it takes such a short amount of time, but it's so it's so tasty. Like, and I think my dad's adobo is great as well. And that that like adobo is definitely one thing that's like a household thing differs from household to household, even regionally sometimes. Like I know some people like traditionally it's just um, soy sauce, vinegar, garlic, black pepper, and bay leaf. And like depends where you're having it. Maybe more on the the sour side, the sweet side, really garlicky or really peppery. Some people I've seen put coconut milk in it. Wow. Yeah, or even mm. um, oyster sauce and stuff. My dad yeah. did that actually the other day. It's actually quite good. It's so interesting how Filipino has so many Spanish named dishes. And yeah. a lot of people don't realize the Philippines was colonized by Spain for a long time. Yeah, I mean, my second name is like a Castillo. Little, yeah. Castillo. <laughs> yeah. Castle in Spanish. Do you say Castillo? Castillo. Muy bien. Gracias. Anyway, we're always practicing. Blanca's teaching me how to pronounce my <laughs> words properly. Yeah, I mean, I wasn't even pronouncing my own name <laughs> 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 for a while until Alex was like, you know, you're not actually pronouncing your own name right. <laughs> but yeah, the, so it's funny. fascinating Filipino food when you read, like, you're like, you have azobo, you have uh, pan de sal, pan de coco. So my daughters love going to Pinoy Sarasari to buy all the golden ribbon baked goods to pronounce the names they're like they feel so where is that now in Dunleary. okay and they go and they're like excuse me could i have pan de sal so they're like practicing their <laughs> spanish so but anyway just it's just if people don't know the connection between spain and there's, the philippines yeah, there's such a crossover like aras caldo like little trans li- literal translation rice. and then that, yeah. in terms of the history then after spain um, controlled it for a long time. What happened after that? Then it was, was the it I think the, the, the Americans Americans basically control it, yeah. took over. I mean, I was yeah. going to say that you know that there's like Irish people could probably you know sort of understand a little bit about you know history of being sort of colonized. Yeah. And I was going to ask Richie. He was like, I was like, uh oh, he's being interviewed by like three of his colonizers, a, Spanish, <laughs> a Chinese American. <laughs> I apologize. <laughs> so <laughs> sorry. Um, actually, this is a good point for me just to remind people that we are part of the Headstuff Podcast Network. I'm very proud to be part of Ireland's largest podcast network. And um, there's a host of shows, not only food, but also uh, politics, comedy, everything you can think of available through the network. If you can check out all the shows at headstuffpodcast.com. But more importantly, you can become a member and subscribe like a Patreon of your favorite show, maybe ours, for example, uh, for five euros a month. And that gives you access to all of the shows, but also extra bonus material, you know, hip merchandise, all that sort of stuff. You become part of our gang. So please check it out at headstuffpodcast.com. So, Richie, tell us a little bit about what's the Filipino food scene in Dublin. Tell us about the shops. Tell us about have you met anybody that's doing anything similar to you or are you maybe one of the most the like 
the only person trying to get a Filipino restaurant. I did see there was a Filipino restaurant in Capel Street at one point. Yeah, uh, I think I think it's still there. It's called Cafe Manila. Now I'm not sure if my dad was saying it's it seems to be more of like a, a communal space. Like oh, oh okay, people that's holding. nice. It, like I've never seen it open as an actual restaurant. I've seen people host like christenings or like oh. family gatherings there, and it's like real like buffet style. That's cool, though. We were actually just speaking about that at Food on the Edge this week about having communal spaces for communities yeah. to gather and, you know, that they can all everyone can use together. Um, it's, so sorry, it's actually called McCarthy Avenue. Cafe Manila actually used to be on Abbey Street. I Abbey remember. Street. Okay. Yeah, just so down. Maybe that's the one that's closed, maybe. Yeah, just just down from the academy on uh, Wigwam. Yeah, Middle Abbey Street. Yeah, Middle Abbey Street. I remember going there when I was really young. And, like That was probably like 10, 12 years ago. I know that's gone now. Mm-hmm. And then I know on Bath Avenue, there was a restaurant called Bahai Kubo. Yes, enough. I because I, when I was looking you up, I was like, yeah, you moved to Bath Avenue. And then yeah, I we had was... we, we had somebody else ask us. Are you the same? The what same does people? Bahai mean? So it means house in Tagalog or home. OK, for me, like home, like when I was trying to think of something to come up for a name, I mean, Bahai, like, you know, home in Tagalog. Like Ireland be my home and Philippines yeah, also be my home. Oh, it's really nice. Yeah. Yeah. No, it stuck me, and I, I mean, it makes sense for me. I learned about a um, also a bakery on Dorset Street called Gold Ribbon Cakes and Pastries, and that was set up by Rolando and Ruby Estores. How's my pronunciation? Estores. Yeah. Estores? Okay, thank you. Uh, <laughs> and that's beside a Romanian grocery store in Dorset Street, which is called Almantara Transylvania. Um, they moved to Ireland over 10 years ago and they, he just said that like I read an interview on the Dublin Enquirer with him saying that you know no one else was doing the cakes the Filipino cakes and um, so they decided to do it and in there you can get the panda cocoa the panda sal pandan cake the yema cake uba cake uh, also hapia which I think is Chinese heritage is that right? do you know that one? yeah hapia yeah my dad loves them Oh, yeah? Yeah. And so that's drawing from or the Chinese heritage. And then Mamon, which is a lemon cream cheese sponge cake. But mm. it's not a dessert, as he says. So Ooh. I'm dying to try that. I'm going to go up and check out the bakery. Yeah, have you ever this. had like ube cake or anything? The, ube cake? I've never had. I've had so pandan like a, cake. Yeah, purple yam. Do you ever see it's like, like mm. real purple? Like Yeah. That's kind of really popular. Yeah. And the pandan cake obviously is from pandan. It's like pistachio green kind of color. I've had that before. Yeah. It's definitely um, over there. There's loads of cake shops. Over there mm. means like there's loads of mm. different bakeries and stuff, all doing huge cakes or sweet treats like that. Yeah, but it's obviously from looking at that list, it's obviously that there's such a mix of heritage and cultures there. Like even the yeah. panda cocoa sounds Brazilian, like yeah. coconut cake. Um, it's or it sounds similar to some that I've experienced from Brazil. So I wonder is are a lot of the cakes. Filipino cakes have a history of the immigration of the country. Are they linked to that? Or yeah, um, something I'm not like massively knowledgeable about, but definitely, sure. like the Philippines is like I've seen. I have a really good book by um, a lady called Nicole uh, Ponseca. It's uh, this is Philippine. I am Filipino, and this is how we cook. Okay, this is a really good book. Like it talks about shows all the different regions and like oh, has nice. the map and. Talks a lot about the history and her growing up in the States and like trying to find her identity. And she couldn't, she really struggled of like, 
she couldn't find any Filipino restaurants, even in the States. And there's, there's over like 4 million Filipinos in the States, which kind of talks about how um, it's, she referred to Filipino food as like the original fusion food, if you think about it. Yeah. yeah. Like, Actually, Blanca, what was that you read? The East meets West? The best representation of East yeah. meets West. Yeah. yeah. It's like, <laughs> and if you think about it, it is like more, I start looking at dishes and stuff. It's like all tomato based dishes, like definitely a Spanish influence. And then there's Malaysian, Chinese, um, some Arabic, because there's quite a big uh, Muslim population in the South. Okay. And then even with like regional cooking, like, like in the North and stuff, it's, really bitter and sour foods and people say in the central kind of philippines it's very um they love sweetness and then in the south it's like heat and spice mm. and there's only like because there's over seven thousand islands i think seven thousand yeah that's what makes it the philippines obviously it's so I many mean, I knew there was loads. I didn't realize yeah no there's there's so many it's one of those places you know it's just so picturesque when yeah. you see this someone posts a picture of a tropical island and you're just like okay that has to be the philippines i have to go there yeah and there's even like uh what was that? 18 regions, 81 provinces, and then like over 175 yeah. languages and dialects. So obviously it's like a melting pot. There's just so yeah. much, so much culture, so much diversity there yeah. as well. And even with like classic Filipino dishes, I, I'd imagine, you know, from province to province, they would change like yeah. probably pretty big. Like, And even like, like I've never, like I've only done a small bit of traveling. Mm. And at that time, like I wasn't massively in the food. So like, I can't wait to go back and really travel around all the regions and really see the difference. I was going to say, like, what would be some of, like, local ingredients or f vegetables or fruits that, and um, or even spices that would be typical to Filipino cuisine? The definitely most typical one is calamansi. It's a uh, citrus native to the Philippines. It's a, it's a cross between a mandarin and a kumquat. Oh, I've never oh. heard that. Yeah, it looks like a lime. Um, looks like a lime, but when you open it, like, the flesh is orange. Oh wow. wow! Yeah, they're amazing. Like they, they grow up. Can you get any of them here? You, you can get them? them here. Yes. In the Asian market, you can or? get them in the Asian market, but they're not very nice. Yeah. Occasionally, but and they're not very nice. Yeah. But, like, when um, I was struggling to get enough of them to do Rowan Co. I was in Pinoy, yes. Sari, and I was like, "Do you have any um, calamansi?" She was like, "Yeah, we have some coming on a container, but that's every so often, and like they're not great as well yeah. by the time like." Well, you can get loads of uh, you can actually buy a little a bottle of the calamansi juice extract. Oh, okay. but it's a small bottle. And it's never enough. Like, and it's like a. Is it like yuzu? What like would what would you? It's use? not as no. It's not as tart. So like people would say like if you don't if you can't get calamansi use use lemon more than lime. Oh okay. okay. So it's not as like sharp. It's it's a perfect mm -hmm. balance of like sweet and sour. Like wow, it sounds made. great. Oh, so I'd good. love to try it. You should even get the the Asian markets to have like calamansi juice drinks. Yeah. Like there's loads of sugar in it, but like they're still quite delicious. And what other ingredients? So definitely, like that uh, puti, it's like the soy sauce and the vinegar. Like okay. sugar cane, like vinegar is a massive part of Filipino food. Um, like some dishes, like uh, like sinigang, they're like unapologetically sour. Like you, <laughs> you'd be eating it and you'd be like, why why do you eat this? This is like so sour. So they use a lot of um, like sugar cane vinegar and a lot of unripe green fruits, like a lot of green mango. Okay. Um, like I don't know if you ever eaten bitter melon. It's just. I love bitter melon. You know, yeah, it's I, a real like. <laughs> it's an experience, especially here in Ireland. It's not, yeah, it's not a food that um, people not, would eat. They'd eat and be like, "Why do you eat this?" We're like, not good with bitter, I think. When no, it comes no, to it's definitely not a flavor profile here in no. Irish food. Like, and it's definitely the addition of like sourness and loads of vinegar in the food is, you know, it's so warm over there. 
okay, as yeah. a method of preservation, like like mm-hmm. no refrigeration or anything. So, you know, there's so much vinegar in it, you know, you get a bit of extra shelf life, kind of leave it sitting around. Yeah, yeah no, I was going to ask you, because um, I had heard another chef say that, you know, some of the reason why you've got sour, some of the reason why you've got a lot of stews is actually because sometimes you just don't have refrigeration. So yeah, it's like, you know, the Filipino palate then just evolves with that. But that's uh, uh, like a derivation of escabeche, like the in in Spain to preserve the fish, and you know the, the Arabs brought it to Spain. You use vinegar to preserve the fish in a liquid, so then that evolves into <clears throat> some dishes you find in Italy and France, and it traveled to the Philippines. But it's a uh, originally a Muslim. Um, oh an Arab uh, technique that was invented by them. Because obviously, like, you needed it to preserve the fish. Yeah. Yeah, didn't know that. Hmm. But the, the, I, w- I wanted to ask you also about, like, the banana. Like, there's a lot, of di- a lot of similarities between some of the ingredients with Latin America, like the banana leaf. And, you know, yeah. you just see it. Filipino food, you see it. And I think it's just and I've it's like the banana- world on a plate. You're and like, banana wow. ketchup. Yeah, yeah, banana ketchup. Really? That uh, I want to buy that. What does yeah. it? I mean, so, it sounds stupid, but what does it taste like? Is it it's, banana? It's not. No, it's, it doesn't actually taste like real, like banana. Like, so it originated out in um, uh, during World War Two. The Americans they brought over yeah. ketchup, oh. and um, and the Filipinos love. Well, everyone loves ketchup, so they're like, oh, this is this is amazing. Like, but also there was a shortage of tomatoes in the Philippines at the time. But oh. There's loads of bananas. So they tried to. So they tried, yeah. So they basically started making it. And to get the red color, they use um, like oh, it's red. Yeah, I was yeah, just yeah. Picturing it's like <laughs> Yeah, so uh, they use like another big thing. In Filipino food would be uh, like anato, like anato seeds. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it'd be using some Spanish food as well. Like the anato is more like it's more in Mexico. You know, like cochinita pibil is the dye, but anato is also what you give like if you want to make a cheese yellow. You use yeah, it's a it's a natural food coloring. So they use that and the bananas. Like it's it's just as red as ketchup. Like, but it doesn't. Like there's loads of different versions. Like my favorite brand is like the the UFC brand, the hot and spicy one. Mm. UFC. Yeah, okay. it's a a yellow bottle that says hot and spicy. They have oh. the UFC have just like a plain one, which is a green bottle. Mm. But uh, my favorite one's the hot and spicy one. And then the banana, like the banana leaves, I don't like. There's a it's called a Kamayan feast. So they lay banana leaves all over the table, put the mm. food on the banana leaf, and it's just a big. Uh, it's a big communal feast. Everyone just eats with their hands, like. Mm, so it's kind of you know amazing. special occasion, celebratory thing. Yeah, is there a lot of dishes like that are very unique for for celebratory occasions? Like, is there a special food served at weddings, special dishes, or I don't know, yeah. family celebrations, or different <laughs> maybe Filipino celebrations throughout the year related to religion or heritage or something? Yeah, like definitely the the big thing would be lechon. Like so, yes. please tell us more about yeah, Lechon. Yeah. So it's normally um, a whole sucking pig that's normally oh, wow. roasted. Yeah, it's normally roasted slowly over a spit. It originated in um, Cebu, and normally in Cebu it's done over. It's rotated by hand over coals. Okay. So low and slow for could be over 10, 12 hours. Like, but then they normally kind of baste it with. Um, they have a big mop baste it with. Uh, Pina Karat, it's like a, a spiced coconut vinegar, like loads of chilies, garlic. Okay. Um, wow. That's actually another great thing you should buy as well. Spiced coconut vinegar. It's called Pina, Pina Karat. It comes in like, it looks like a little uh, nagging bottle of vodka. It comes in that, <laughs> like, yeah. But there's loads of chilies and garlic in it. It's super spicy. Like, 
but it's great. So they kind of base the whole pig in that. And that's always kind of any big celebratory events like uh, like Nacho Buena. Like, so Nacho Buena, it's, you know, Spanish, Latin American. They celebrate in the Pacific Islands as well. Um, Christmas Eve and big midnight feast. Um, I think it's definitely bigger than the actual Christmas Day feast. But it's a huge family gathering. Um, Lechon was definitely always at the, the main table for that. But it's just a massive spread of food. Like, you know, you'll get adobo, pancit, canton, uh, lumpia, the Filipino spring rolls, loads of rice, loads of cakes, dessert. Sounds amazing. Yeah. Yeah, no. I was, um, a friend of mine, Marissa Arroy, who's a filmmaker here, um, was talking about um, for Noche Buena, her father used to make this like um, chicken relleno? Relleno? Relleno, right? Which seemed just, again, so elaborate, you know, um, and... I don't know whether yeah. that was a custom in your family as well. No, but um, I never actually had that. But it's uh, I've had the actual the milkfish. Okay, the milkfish. Yeah, like, or uh, what's it called? Bangus. Like never. I've had a fresh, like just kind of grilled. I've okay. never had the actual stuffed version though. Stuff like, version. but that sounds great. Yeah, there's a couple of dishes like that as well, actually. Yeah, it just. I mean, you have to debone the chicken, then you're stuffing it with you know pate, and then like you've got yeah, your eggs, work, and like, it was just a lot mm-hmm. of work, and then you stitch it yeah. back up, and so but that's also seemed like it's. Uh, from somewhere else like culinary yeah. technique from somewhere else well like, there's so many yeah like there's so many techniques that are yeah. you, they, they might come from France and they become kind of like a status symbol like my family have a similar one this terrine that's definitely not Spanish it's like yeah, so yeah. complicated and we also do it for Noche Buena so it's yeah. it's interesting and even they love cooking over fire and stuff like there's loads of barbecued barbecue dishes and I don't know it could be interesting to see where that comes from I don't know if it's just a resourceful thing because what I've noticed like Filipino food definitely it's very resourceful mm. like you know proper food like no satay eating like like nothing else to waste at all like it's mm. true I'm just going to interrupt things one more time just I need to tell you about a um, podcast on the network here that we have just started uh, listening to because it is brand new it's called Agony Rants and it's by our friend Garod Farrelly who's a comedian and it's with his friend Eurovision winner Neve Kavanagh they've been friends for a very long time and in this new show they are widening their circle of friends to include <coughs> you if you need unwavering unconditional support someone to champion you or to just get something off your chest they are ready to listen offer advice and if necessary start a brutal campaign of revenge on your behalf um, as a national treasure and mother of two Neve is the calm soothing voice of experience and Garo on the other hand has a cat and limited patience but is well intentioned <laughs> guys you have to listen to this it is amazing it launched on Monday the 18th of October um, you can listen to it wherever you get your podcast but especially on the Headstuff Podcast Network Agony Rants coming soon to the Headstuff Podcast Network why can't I not say podcast hello I'm Gerard Farrelly and I'm Neve Kavanagh and we have been friends for very long time. And that is what we are offering you on our new podcast, Agony Rants. If you need a support group and want to tell us a secret. Or if you need someone to champion you or just cheer you up. Or maybe even some advice. On how to burn down a house or blow up your life or get revenge. So send your secrets, stories and problems to agonyrants at gmail.com. Agony Rants, coming soon to the Headstuff Podcast Network. Subscribe now wherever you get your podcasts. Sounds a little suggestive, I'm not gonna lie. Like, yeah, it was a little bit. It's very Cadbury's caramel bunny. <laughs> Can you tell me something about Maggi sauce? So, Maggi sauce was always 
definitely growing up there was always like my dad another thing i love my dad was those he always like stir fried greens and um they're always just so tasty like so simple like minimal effort and he always just had this little bottle of like um like maggie sauce like uh red and yellow label i was always really curious about it but um like it is it, it is a fermented wheat sauce oh wow it's, okay it's um it's, it's stacked on msg like that's that's how, <laughs> that's how it's so good like there's also another one um nor do it like just called like liquid seasoning like hmm. um i think it's kind of similar to like aromat like that's like uh, in, okay. in ireland like that's probably the closest thing i yeah. can uh, relate it to like people would know what aromat is like yeah. So it's just the seasoning with loads of MSG. Like. What is the aromat? That's exactly as he described it. It's like it. a liquid. No, it's no, a it's, seasoning. Yeah. Uh, it comes in this little um, uh, like container and you just like a kind of, like you get your herb container and it's just really old school looking, like kind of yellow and yeah. blue and red and it just has aromat and you're just supposed to sprinkle it on like that on seasoning. It's definitely just MSG. Like, oh, but yeah, anyone yeah. growing up in Ireland would recognize yeah. like, it. I remember, like, I remember seeing it at my granny's house. Yeah. Just like the, the little yellow balls sitting in the and corner. And I don't like, think there's anything wrong with it. You know, yeah. I think every no. culture has that one kind of seasoning. Like or, the magic ingredient. Yeah, yeah, yes. exactly. <laughs> oh, definitely every uh, person cooking in the 80s would have definitely yeah. been sprinkling aromat into their stews or soups definitely. or, yeah. Like my sauce even... It's really popular in Poland and stuff. Really yeah, like, Maggie sauce is it's 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 interesting yeah. how like it's because it's like it's from, how it's gone like kind of internationally. Sort of, yeah, because my family can't to live me, without it's it. It's kind of like I would think of it like kind of like soy sauce. So like to see it really popular in Poland. Yes, that's a bit strange. But it's I mean it's not it's seasoning like liquid seasoning as I say. It's funny like that, isn't it? When something from one country becomes really popular and almost part of another country's culture as well. And like you said, it's just you're like, I wonder why they like it in Poland. Or, but there's obviously links to the food there as well and the Definitely, the, yeah. the flavors, you know. Definitely some similarities. Like. Yeah. So what's next for, for you and for Baha'i? What are you working on at the moment? So currently at the moment, we are... So initially when I started, initially started out, we had the plan to do like markets and stuff using the food trailer. And then obviously I ended up doing Rowan Co and Taste of Dublin. And then kind of like coming in the winter and stuff there, yeah, there is markets, but for us, like me and Alex, we definitely like the buzz of doing a pop up more. Mm-hmm. Um, we also, we, we have a lot of other interests like out, outside of the food as well. Like, you know, we're both really big into music and like art. And so we want to be able to kind of combine it all. Like we love to throw like a day party with like a couple of DJs playing some music. And then we recently, we kind of, kind of put out the feelers on Instagram to try to get in touch with, some Filipinos here um, and yeah. we've been living here like Filipino artists and stuff and we mm-hmm. kind of Alex is uh, you know she plans to organise like an exhibition with some Filipino artists Um, I can think the kind of general theme is like their eyes their cultural lens here in Ireland and how their art did their art change coming here living here in Ireland they're not necessarily Irish Filipino but just Filipinos have been here for a couple of years and we want to try you know showcase their art and like do some food as well but also kind of you know i think it'd be nice to bring a community together as well mm-hmm. of different filipinos living here definitely so that's kind of probably the next thing we're going to do of a pop-up and then other than that yeah we're kind of just on the hunt to do some pop-ups like mm-hmm. um it's definitely hard like to balance both because both of us uh alex works full-time as well and she's also doing a master's and then i recently just started back in college as well then what are you studying so I'm doing a master's in psychotherapy. Oh wow! Yeah. So yours, you have so many different talents. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. 
Because like, my undergrad was in social science when I, mm-hmm. when I was in school. And I was mm-hmm. like, I was working part time uh, in a golf club started uh, near my house. So I started off just like being a KP and then started off doing the food there. Um, nothing amazing, just like basic, but, um, you know, learned good basic kitchen skills. And like we did mm-hmm. kind of do dinners for, you know, 120 to 200 people sometimes. Oh, wow. So it was a good experience. And then I went to New Zealand and worked in kind of a bit more serious restaurants. Um, and I figured out I kind of liked it. And that was after college. So, and then when I came back to Ireland, um, I figured I'd give it a shot. I like working in kitchens. And then I ended up working in um, Thea Cafe in Rathgar. It's actually gone now. Well, not that gone. They're just moving. But um, I was there for about three months. Yeah, no, it's great. I was there for about three months and I kind of fell into the head chef role. And it was, uh, I was definitely out of my depth, like, but it was one of those sink or swim situations. You definitely swam. Yeah, no, I definitely It was so good. Yeah, no, it was uh, was a good experience. And then from there, I went on to work in Bastable. And then come Russell House. And now I'm here. There you go. Yeah. I think it would be amazing to see uh, like that, a, a cultural pop-up event, bringing together art and culture and music and food and yeah. everything. I think that'd be really nice to attend. And for me, I, I didn't know, maybe out of the three of us uh, in Spice Bags, I probably knew the least about Filipino cuisine, but researching it and seeing what's available in Ireland, speaking to you, I've just learned so much and tasting your food at Taste of Dublin. It, it's just been, I didn't get to Rowan Co, but I, it's been lovely to be able to kind of learn, you know, mm. and I think it's just that thing of there's so many flavors that I recognize from other cuisines or yeah. cultures, but um, <clears throat> there's obviously quite a lot of Filipinos here in Ireland. I think it's 13,000 or something, yeah, isn't it? The big, population. Big yeah. So I'm sure we'll see more. Yeah. popping up along with yourselves or, as good. you connect with more of the communities here yeah, yeah definitely with Ronco because <clears throat> um, a lot of Filipinos who came it's you can't get Filipino food outside of their own home or another mm-hmm. Filipino's home yes so going out for them to eat Filipino food in like a restaurant setting it was um, and especially because during the time as well like it was COVID and stuff they haven't been able to get home yeah um, a lot of people genuinely, genuinely reminded them of home oh, and it was there. Nice. Uh, it was really nice, like, especially coming from Filipinos, because um, definitely, you know, growing up eating the food, like, I understand the flavors. And like, like you said, it's like they, they are familiar flavors, but sometimes some of the dishes are not. Yeah. And like pretty much bar Filipinos, most of the people at Ronco was their first time eating Filipino food. Same yeah. with Taste of Dublin, like, yeah, <laughs> um, but it was really well received. So I'm really happy. And the Filipinos as well, they, um, you know, they're excited. I think, you know, if there was a Filipino restaurant in Dublin or in Ireland, I don't think it would just be Filipinos eating there. Like, Oh, no, I think definitely. Yeah. I mean, the food yeah. is gorgeous. It's yeah. so nice. Also, like, palettes are changing. I think, you know, like, look at London, you know, it's cultural hot pot, melting pot. You know, I think in 10 years' time, like, you know, because, like, my dad came here about 30 years ago, like, so first yeah. generation, and, you know, and just giving birth to second generation immigrants, and they may go off and they come back and bring their food back or work in restaurants and kind of their own take on the food. It was definitely my background working in restaurants and it's definitely just my kind of take on what Filipino food is. But yeah. Still trying to stay true to the flavors of what. That's what I hope for it anyway. Are you developing a dish that you are excited about that you might want to share with us? Um, <clears throat> Yeah, I, I, I would have loved to do... Um, There's a dish called uh, Crispy Pata. So it's like a, a pork shank. Yeah. That's like deep fried. 
And normally there's different oh, ways of doing wow. it. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. And then it's normally just kind of serving the table with uh, that peanut crot, the spice vinegar. It's um, it's so delicious. Like. It sounds so delicious. I'm actually salivating. Yeah. Yeah. It's normally like uh, they'd confit it and then like deep fry it. Some people will kind of boil, boil it before, but oil and water don't mix too well together. So <laughs> it kind of splatters all over the place if you don't try it out properly. Do you think that Irish people, I mean, as we said, everybody loved your food at Ronco and Tasted Dublin, but do you think that there's similarities as well with within the cuisines that kind of make it work well here or that the future of it here will will thrive because Irish people kind of will like certain dishes in particular or certain yeah. tastes. Definitely I definitely think it's like obviously there's some dishes that Irish people are a bit that are a bit out there. Like there's one called like dinner dinner go on. It's like a, a blood stew. Mm-hmm. Like a blood and awful stew that definitely wouldn't fly too well here. Like. <laughs> Which is funny because like with our heritage it probably should but it won't. I know what you mean. Mm-hmm. Like it's yeah. Yeah and then um like Longanisa, for example, mm. it's, uh, you know, Irish people love sausages. And like even like chorizo and stuff, you know, it's... Yeah. What's Longanisa? So it's uh, a Filipino sweet sausage, but also it's, it's a Spanish origin, like similar to chorizo. Oh, okay. Um, you got a sandwich, didn't you, I think? Yeah, that yeah. was one thing that um, I was oh, just Oh, the kinda, hot dog. Yeah, I was messing yeah. around at home with. Um, my dad actually made some Longanisa at home. So, oh, um, wow. Yeah. Can you buy Longanisa here, like... Yeah, um, you can you can buy them in um but the Filipino one or is it Yeah, the Filipino store. There's yeah. um they actually have them frozen. Oh, but, but you can also make them. That's a business. But also yeah. there's um they sell them and I'd love to hear your opinion, but uh but they sell them on the butchers in a butchers on Moore Street. Fresh. Yeah, there was there was no, I didn't get them from that one, but there was one um up in Tala in the square my dad excuse me. He came home with some longanisas mm. that were made in the butchers, like That's they were so good, funny. like yeah. Oh. Um, you can buy them frozen, but definitely the fresh is always the best. <laughs> Where do you do most or find most of your Filipino ingredients here? Is there a particular store or stores that you go to in Dublin? Yeah, I definitely go to Asian market a lot. They actually have quite a good selection. It's just like if I live closer to Pinoy, I'd, I'd probably go there. Yeah. But um, because there's a Asian market out in Ballymount, kind of yes. the whole set that's, that's closer to me in town. Yeah. Um, and they've got a whole section like okay. it's great. Like I think during Ronco we were like just clearing them out of banana ketchup. <laughs> and the Malibu. Oh, they one have the banana been, ketchup. Yeah. I'm gonna have to go get yeah. it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> have to try that. Couldn't now. get it for eight, even in the one in town because we were getting because you couldn't buy like a case of it in bulk. So we were just trying to buy like I'd come and just like take the whole the whole shelf like in bottles like and you only get them in the little small ones. Well, we're definitely gonna have to add Filipino to our international shopping, shopping you're guides, have to help and us, you're gonna yeah. have to help us with that one. And we'll put it on. We'll put it on our website with all our others. Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, because I think the one thing when we uh, put out these episodes and everything, everyone wants to, you know, go out and try and taste. But sometimes it's hard to find the ingredients. So we'll definitely be scouring the country. If anyone listening has any uh, insights into Filipino ingredients down the country, not just in Dublin, please let us know and get in touch. You can contact us on Instagram, Twitter, or Facebook. Uh, we're under Spice Bags. You'll find us easily or hello at spicebags.ie. And all of our episodes um, plus a blog of other Q&As and our shopping guides are on spicebags.ie Richie thank you so much for coming in today thanks for having us guys really appreciate it yeah thank you thanks guys (laughs) thanks bye
This show is part of the Headstuff Podcast Network, a hub for the creative and the curious. Shows are produced in association with Headstuff and the Podcast Studios Dublin. Find out more or become a member at headstuffpodcasts.com. 